This is The Bloom Pod, and I'm Taylor Onion. And I'm Melissa Lutz. Each episode, we bring you an interview with an everyday person who is chasing big dreams. I interview the guests for the first part of the show, and then Melissa and I come together and recap some of the main points at the end. With the occasional shenanigan. This week's guest uh, was my first official boss in college athletics. She is a veteran athletics event manager and currently serves as the director of stadium and game operations at the college football playoff. Please enjoy our conversation with Holly Stalkup. All right. Well, I am, first of all, I'm just so excited to be able to catch up in general because it's been a while. Uh, We know each other because you were my first real boss and we were just talking offline about how long that has actually been. Back in in 2013, you gave me my start in college athletics and my first events experience, which has continued on throughout my career as as we often talk about. But Holly, I'm I'm pumped to have you here. How, How are you, first of all? Well, first, thank you, Taylor, for having me. I am well, thank you. And as I said, when I hired you, and to this day I do, your events for life. So you can't get out of event management. Uh, that's what we say. So, no, I'm honored to be here and part of your podcast. Um, but I, I'm doing well. Thanks. It's kind of a busy time right now, um, you know, getting into uh, closer and closer to bowl season and hopefully, you know, national championships. So it's been busy, but I'm enjoying it. Good, good. Well, we're going to get there. We're going to talk um, not about, you know, some of the topics associated with the CFP, but we're going to talk more about, you know, events and, and things that go on with that. But I want to start uh, by having you kind of give us the the maybe 30 second synopsis of Holly Stall Cup. Got it. All right. 30 seconds. Let's go. Um, Well, I'm from Illinois and I went to undergrad and grad school at the University of Illinois uh, and is how I became aware uh, of Miss Taylor Onion, uh, first on the volleyball court and then uh, in our event management department. So um, fortunate that I have two degrees from the University of Illinois, an undergrad in athletic training uh, and a master's in sports management. Um, I got my start uh, in the Illinois ticket office as a GA for one year. Um, And then after that, I had the good fortune of starting off in event management uh, as an event coordinator. And then lucky enough just to keep uh, moving up at Illinois uh, and leaving as an associate AD for event management. Um, I always say you either love event management or you hate it. There's probably no in between. Uh, As we know, it's a lot of hours and a lot of work and a lot of things that um, goes into it. Um, But I'm one of those crazy ones, I guess, that really loves it uh, and have uh, stuck with it the whole time. So um, that's a little synopsis of me. I always tell people when, when I'm explaining, because a lot of times I'll get the question, right? So how did, how'd you start in athletics? Have you always been in academics, those kind of things? And when I talk about switching from event management over to academics and student athlete development and all that good stuff, my, my go-to, I feel like sentence that I use all the time is that I loved the event management staff that I worked with at Illinois, that's, you know, it was just a good, it was a good group. It was a fun, you know, we had a lot of fun in the office and during game days and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but that there just, there was something that was missing for me that wasn't quite there. And I would say that I look over at Holly and I see the fun that she is having. I see on game days, right. There's this spark in your eye and you're like, Oh man, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to orchestrate everything that's happening. And so I'm seeing this right as a GA and I'm like, okay, so it's, it is possible to love your job. I'm not getting that feeling from 
doing this. So I got to find the space in athletics that I am going to feel, you know, doing that. And then of course, as we've talked about, I did fall back into some level of event management and, and logistics with student athlete enhancement anyway. So full circle. No, that is, no, that's so true. And I think, you know, what you said first though, the people, um, I think that just makes it regardless of what area you're in and what you're doing. And I always stressed, and I hope you would say the thing that we tried to have fun, even though you're working long hours and doing it. And again, I probably looked crazy. I'm like, let's hang bunting. As you said, like, I like doing this stuff and I can just see you now doing that and you probably watching. Um, but I always knew too, and we've talked about this, that your heart and joy was helping uh, and being giving back to student athletes. And, but I think, as I've always said, event, event management is great for the basis. It gives us time management, um, communication skills, working with so many different people and balancing what everyone wants. Uh, and it was a great, I think, start for many people, event management, and then you can take that on to whatever area interests you. Yeah. Well, and for me, that's exactly what happened. If I didn't have the event management experience that I had gotten with you at Illinois, I don't think I would have, you know, been able to do what I did at, at USF the, the past four years before changing over this summer. So definitely a, a good foundation for, awesome. uh, for a, you know, career jumping off standpoint, all those good awesome. things. Um, you did skip over one thing that I want to touch on. You did not mention your athletic training uh, experience. And so I got to know, cause you made the move from athletic training into tickets and then events and all those great things. So I did. why I, the jump? I realized that. Here's some information. I realized that while we were talking. Um, so yeah, my undergrad was in athletic training. Um, and during that, I actually wanted to be an athletic trainer for a ballet company was what I wanted to end up with. For um, ballet? Like, yes. like dance ballet? Yes. Okay. At one point, thought I was going to go get my master's in athletic training uh, and uh, do that um, for a ballet company. Um, but I did it for four years in undergrad, uh, one of which I spent a whole year um, with the volleyball team. Um, and so, you know, I loved it. I probably couldn't tape a great ankle right now anymore, but maybe I could do a heel lock or something. But um, it was one of those it's a good thing when you're bored, I guess, as an athletic trainer, because it means people aren't hurt or you're mm -hmm. not, you know, doing exercises to get rehab and get someone back on back out on the field. But I was bored. Um, and so, you know, again, it was great, similar to what you said about event management for you. Athletic training really gave me that foundation. Um, and I realized I probably wanted to do more something that was more interactive. Um, and I love all the different puzzle pieces that event management has. So, when I finished up, actually, my senior year, uh, another portion I skipped of my 30-second intro, I guess, was... <laughs> I didn't give you much time. 30 seconds is not much time. I need to <laughs> I need to expand that. <laughs> it's all right. But the uh, Chicago Bears played uh, a season uh, at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Mm. And I was lucky enough um, to work that my senior year um, and help out the event management um, side of things. Um and why I got that opportunity, I guess I should have said too, is I answered phones at the front desk of the <laughs> Illinois de Athletic Department. So I've had quite a few uh, different jobs uh, while there in Illinois Athletics. And so that really gave me my first insight into what event management was. Um, 
having that bear season and also then helping with Illinois football season. And that's, I think where it like the light bulb went off and it switched for me. Um, but then I did spend a year in the ticket office, which I recommend now tickets are different now they're all mobile, but before that you had to print them all, rip them, mail them out. So that was a fabulous experience that I loved as well. But, um, I think event management again, was just one of those things where I felt at home at peace excited to go to work every day um, and just seeing all the different pieces come together in this final product, whether it be a basketball game, a volleyball match, football game. And I just enjoyed seeing all that. And so I think uh, I caught the bug and I've never left since. Right, right. You've been you've been in it for a minute. So with that, I want to ask, what do you think is is one thing that all event managers should know? Oh, well, you're not, you know, if you're not a event manager yet and you're looking to become one, you're not in it for the recognition, I would say. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you first sit in that sports management class and they ask who wants to be an agent, who wants to be an athletic, every hand goes up. A lot of hands don't go up. Who wants to be an event management? (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, that's because we're the behind the scenes thing. Like, I don't, we don't want to be recognized and we don't want you to know what we did when you come to a game. We want you to just come to the game, enjoy it and leave and not think about any of it. Uh, And that means we did our job well. So you have to be in it for the right reasons, I would say. So for those looking to get maybe into it, that's something to remember. Um, But you know what? A lot of times, too, I just think it's like a balancing act. Sometimes we're called the fun police um, because we have to say no to a lot of things. But, you know, we try to see the big picture of of it and know that everyone has their different agendas and what they want to accomplish. And all towards the common goal is what you got to remember. But we just kind of look at the overall picture. So I think those of us in event management can see the big picture, don't have blinders on focusing on a certain area, but how does everything um, interweave together and how can we put on the best product, whatever it is, not only for our fans, but the student athletes participating in it um, and everyone involved in it. I think having experience in events uh, and then moving on to something else afterward or even attending an event right now, how often are you going to a sporting event and you're like, hmm, this should have been different at the beginning or even a regular. I mean, I can't think of how many events I've been to where that's kind of stuff pops into my, my brother was, was married uh, in May of this year. And they're like, Oh, what should we do with these lights or how should we fix this kind of stuff? And I'm like, I got it. This is going to make the most sense. All right. I mean, it ruins you as a fan. Um, (laughs) You saw my camera roll on my phone. It's like pictures of garbage cans and signage. I mean, people might think I'm crazy walking around, but it totally does. You're like, oh, that flyover was late or this and that, you know, kind of thing. You're always watching that. One, I'm watching it because I love learning from other events. And so you, um, you know, you try to steal some great ideas from everyone. Oh, but it totally does. It's really hard to be a fan and to sit around fans, I guess, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, who are yelling and different things. Um, But I still do enjoy just going to events when you're not working, but it, it really changes you as a fan. That's for sure. Yeah. I remember you used to, to tell us that if we did our jobs leading up to game day, that game day should be very smooth. We shouldn't really have to worry about too much. That so is true. That's definitely. True. Definitely. That's true. Process tease. That's what we said. So. That's right. <laughs> and I'm sure that is the case uh, now with the college football playoff um, and, and, you know, your position with uh, stadium operations. I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up, but you are the director of stadium operations and there's another piece to it. Is there not yeah, stadium and game operations? Stadium and game operations for the CFB. Awesome. So 
what prompted the move? Obviously, you had spent the your whole career at Illinois from undergraduate all the way up to associate AD. What prompted the move to, to yeah. jump somewhere else and, and do something else? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough decision because like you said, all I knew was Illinois. I went as an 18-year-old freshman thinking I was going for four years and 20 years later, um, I left. And, you know, I have to say I got the chance of this opportunity because of Illinois. I mean, I learned so much at my time there meeting people and the great uh, foundation that was given to me and I that I learned from. Um, I think it was one of those, I'm a person that needs to be challenged and it was just time for something different, I think. Um, again, I didn't want to leave because of the people and the teams and the student athletes. Like I love that and being a part of that, uh, a team kind of uh, feeling. Um, but it was one of those, I knew if I passed on this opportunity, I would probably regret it. Um, not that it was easy at all. I, again, as you mentioned, all I knew was Illinois. I was going to move to Texas where I knew no one, um, and away from family and different things. But I've always led, I guess, with my heart in making those decisions. And I think deep down, I knew that this was what was next for me um, and what was best at that time. Not that it was better. uh, It was just best at that time uh, for me and for the opportunities that I think could come from CFP when I thought about it. So um, again, and looking back now, sometimes you're like, oh, I missed that event or I missed this. But for me, this is the place I'm supposed to be. Like it's all worked out. And so I've never had any regrets. Um, but again, it's because of the opportunity that I had at Illinois and uh, has allowed me to be in this position. But um, it was a lot of, uh, yay, here, should I do this? Should I not do this? Um, a lot of uh, sleepless nights to figure out what I should do. But um, really happy and glad I made this choice. Uh, to move over to Texas and to the CFP. The uh, the people who make their decisions with logic are just like itching at their necks right now, right? <laughs> Hearing that, that you made a decision based on heart. But I do the same thing. It's based off of vibes. When people ask uh, a few years ago, I had two or three different opportunities, but completely different. I mean, Colorado, Florida, and, and um, somewhere in the Midwest. I can't even remember what it was, but People are like, oh, Colorado, how could you not? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It didn't feel right. I don't know how to explain right? it to you. <laughs> Just And like, oh, yeah. And I said that with mine. And I still say this to, to the day to these people at the CFP. Like, I came and I knew, like, I was home. Yeah. Um, like, and it was like serendipity almost in that. I left the interview. I called my parents and it turns out my mom worked in the same building when she traveled. Mm. Uh, you know, it, all these little things were just like, Holly, this is like, it's telling you like, this is perfect. And, and it, again, it was because of people at CFP um, that made that decision easy. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, so, okay. So walk me through, I was having, I told you we get into this a little bit later. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day who was talking with somebody who works for the peach bowl or citrus bowl or something like that. And they were saying, or those people must be really bored, right? On like a random Tuesday in April, there can't be anything going on. They probably only work several months out of the year. And I'm like, I don't think that's accurate. (laughs) I don't think that's right. So obviously you're headed into the most busy time of the year with the CFP, but walk us through a day in the life. 
Yeah. And funny thing is we get that question a lot. Like you tell someone like where you work and they're like, that's a full-time job. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Um, so it is, I mean, it keeps us busy. Um, all of us at CFP all year, because not only are we working on the game that we're currently in for this year. So this year being Indianapolis, we're also working on like the upcoming year. So LA in 2023 and Houston in 2024. So we're always planning ahead. So that keeps you um, busy as well. But there's so much that goes into it. Um, you know, not only is there just, uh, there's a game, but then there's all these events surrounding the game and there's hospitality events and all this. So it does take um, a lot of time for a lot of different people. Um, and so I think for us too, the busy thing is, is just that we aren't, we don't live in where the game's going to be. Right. Um, so we rely on an expert stadium staff in my case um, and great planning partners that we work with that are experts in what they do, whether it be pageantry, transportation, or all the different things. And so um, I say what I am is kind of a juggler. I juggle all those different planning partners in the stadium and keep them all in the air and in balance. Um, and that really does take all year because, again, you know, we hope we put on a, sh a show and a game and, and an event um, that is memorable and one that's of uh, at a high level. And so it does take all year. As I always say, little things make big things happen. So really diving into those details. Uh, and that takes time. I'm imagining you as a conductor of an orchestra, but more like, um, what is that movie? Uh, Fantasia with Mickey Mouse. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, there's like yes. things splashing around as he's conducting. You know, funny thing. I think that's in my cover letter <laughs> when I applied, like being the director of the orchestra. So mm. yeah, right. Spot on. Right. Right. We're on spot the same on. page there for sure. <laughs> what would you say? Um, I mean, from the outside looking in, I would say probably the most exciting part of your job is actual game day, right? The national championship and that kind of thing. But maybe it, maybe that's not the case. From your perspective, what's the most exciting thing about your job? Yeah, I, you know, I would say that's the cherry on top, maybe, of everything is game day. Like when you, and we said this when we worked um, together, Taylor, at Illinois, is we don't know what the score of the game is. A lot of times I remember when you'd help with parking and you told me the only way you knew what the score was when the, was when the fireworks went off uh, of what the score was inside. And so, you know, I think that's similar, like, uh, you know, it's hard for me I, to watch the game, but I'm watching everything else that I know how long it took so many people and hours to put this together on game day. Um, and that's really what keeps me going and it excites me. Um, I think another thing I really enjoy about my current position is the work with ESPN. Um, I really enjoy that production side of it. So working with ESPN production and ESPN studio and everything that goes into that um, to put our game uh, on TV for millions to view. Um, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. And not only the work that goes into that, but the relationships and the people I've met through that. So um, I think that's uh, an area I've enjoyed. Um, and also too, some of the things we do that I didn't before on a college campus, um, maybe went more towards the marketing side of things where now I get to help with pageantry and run of show that I didn't have before. Um, I've also enjoyed that. So apologize. I didn't give you one thing. I gave you a lot of things, but, um, yeah, those are That's the all right. biggest things I enjoy. 
<clears throat> I'm having a hard time believing that uh, somebody who loves Broadway musicals is into pageantry and, and run of show. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, Taylor just told everyone my hidden secret. I'm a really big Broadway geek. So, yes. Is it hidden, really? It's probably not. My love <laughs> of Broadway and Hallmark movies is pretty well known to everyone who knows me. So, it's not hidden. <laughs> Uh, so the, the last question I want to ask before we kind of move into the final phase of the show is that typically events and I mean, we know sports in general is kind of a male dominated field. Right. But I think typically what we see, especially in events in facility management, those kind of things, we see a lot of men in those leadership positions. And so what are some ways, um, what has your experience been obviously as a female in the field and you're the director of game operations and stadium operations for the biggest of all the shows in college football, right? So, I mean, what's your experience been as, as a woman in the field, A, and then what are some ways that you are trying to create space for other women in the field as you've advanced your career? Yeah. You know, I've been fortunate that I've been surrounded by great females in the industry and CFP is one of those. There's many females in many uh, um, directorial roles. Um, so that's amazing to see. I think, you know, a big thing that I've always remembered is own your seat at the table. I was given, whether it be CFP or my time at Illinois, I was given that opportunity because of my work and what I did. And so I need to remember that and know that if I am the only female at the table, I'm there for a reason. Uh, and I worked hard to get there. And so I'm going to own that seat and own that um, moment that I am in. Um, and so I remember when I started as an athletic trainer, I was, I was a wallflower. Like I was nervous. Like, you know, you didn't want to say anything. You didn't want to speak up. And, and as I've grown into this industry, uh, again, I trust my ability and I don't know everything. No one does. And we surround ourselves with great people and we're always learning. Um, but you realize, hey, I've had these opportunities because of the work I've done, the person I am, the, you know, hopefully the integrity that I've shown and all, you know, all this combined. Uh, and so I remember that, and, you know, even when you don't trust yourself or you lose grace to yourself or you're discouraged at yourself. You We all have bad days, but you remember, hey, I'm here for a reason. Um, and so that's really helped me um, throughout this. Um, I think event management in general, it did, it was very male dominated. I think it's changing a lot. Um, I think maybe it was like that because facilities was maybe the first part of it. And then event management really grew out of that. It's pretty new in all departments of athletics. Um, but I think you see more and more female representation, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, I really try one to give back. And, and I love seeing people like Taylor, and we talk about this all the time, but seeing people that came through as GAs and interns and where all of you have gone now, even if it's not in athletics or it's in a different realm, it's just amazing to see what females can do. Uh, and, you know, we should be um, applauding each other and lifting each other up um, because it is great what all of us have done. And so I try to remember that. And again, none of us can do it on our own. So I've been surrounded by great, not only females, but males in the industry um, that have given me that opportunity to succeed and hope I'm making each of them proud. Mm -hmm. You are. I'll, I'll speak as, as one that has come up through uh, your supervision. You are. <laughs> Okay, so as promised, uh, we'll jump into kind of the final phase of, of the show here. So this is the namesake. Uh, and, and the question is, what is one experience or maybe a series of experiences that you've had that you feel has helped you bloom into the person that you are today? Yes. Um, you know, I'm going to say, it's a great question, Taylor. Um, 
I'm going to say at Illinois, someone, you know, taking their first chance on me. Um, you know, I, I didn't know anyone. It, everyone always says like, oh, it's who you know and everything. It is. It helps. But you just don't get it because of who you know. You got to be a hard worker and you got to put in the effort and have a great personality and be willing to learn and realize you don't know it all. And so I think, you know, I look back at my time in Illinois and, um, you know, person sitting at, as a sophomore answering the phone. Somehow I got the chance to be part of a football season senior year. And without that, I would not be where I am today. So I have to thank many of those individuals at that time that were at Illinois that took a chance um, at the student answering the phone. And, you know, what I say is I love to talk and I think it helped me. Like people would pass by and I would say, hey, you know, just spark conversation. And I think that really helped. Um, and so, you know, I think that is one um, thing that really sparked an interest. And again, I wouldn't be where I am today without that. But second, I have to say my parents, um, I am very close to my family and I think they instilled in me a work ethic um, that I have taken with me um, through all my phases of life, but also a, a caring and compassionate person. Um, again, what we do, it's a football game. It's a big football game. And there's a lot of things um, around it and, you know, need this football game to happen, but it's a football game. And what you need to step back and remember is what makes that football game is the people. And I think I learned that firsthand from my parents at a very young age. Um, and they instilled that into me. And to this day, I hope people around me would say like, they love maybe not, they love what I do on the field and what I do in work, but they mostly love the way I am as a person and how I conduct myself. Um, and I think that started with my parents. So I'm going to say those two things um, are, have impacted me the most. Those are good things. Those are definitely good things. Uh, final question. Yes. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Best piece of advice. Well, it was hard to swallow. Um, <laughs> I was I, I was a workaholic at one point um, back in my early time, and I remember one um, a supervisor at that time. At the time, I was mad because it was like on a soapbox telling me like like all this. Um, but I was really bad. Like would stay and work a lot where if I would have just stepped away and revisited tomorrow, I probably would have been more productive as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that took a hard swallow on my part to say, Hey, it's okay. Sometimes to like step away, leave it for tomorrow. Um, you can't get everything done in one day. So, um, so looking at that work-life balance, which, you know, can be debated, is there really a thing and all this, oh, we're not going to get into that, but a really, you know, just like, making me reevaluate how much time I put into work and know there are things outside of work. Um, so that was a big one. Um, and then just also, you know, delegation of, I got that from uh, some supervisors as well. And I'm to this day, still not the best delegator, um, but I've had some great feedback from um, supervisors that have really helped me uh, in this field uh, to get better at that. Delegation is hard at, at any point, uh, but those are two two great pieces of advice. I actually lied to you. So that was the final question of, of our discussion, but now we are entering the quick peel round. So I've got, right. I've got four um, kind of, you know, off the cuff, first thing that comes to your mind questions and then a fill in the blank and, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. All right. All right. Okay. So first one, favorite event that you've ever managed. Can I have more than one? No. <laughs> Just your number one. First thing that comes to mind. 
I'm going to say the 2020 national championship at the Superdome in New Orleans. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, favorite musical? Oh, Taylor, that is the worst <laughs> question to ask a musical lover who has seen over 60 on Broadway. Um, but I'm going to go for personal reasons, Sweet Charity, because it was the first show I took my dad to in New York on Broadway. Okay, that's a good one. I actually haven't even heard of that show, so I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, um, the one I saw. <laughs> what would you do if you could have any job in the world? Oh, I'd be on a Broadway show. Um, <laughs> I'll take the chorus too. It doesn't have to be a lead, but I'd love to be on a Broadway show. Awesome. I love that answer. Um, favorite holiday? Well, my name is Holly, so I'm going to go with Christmas. Fair. I think that's probably, I mean, general consensus. Like, if you don't like Christmas, maybe there's some other stuff going on, but that's just sad. <laughs> um, all right. Final one. Fill in the blank. Blooming is blank. Blooming is not being... Uh, uh, gosh, I had the word out. Blooming is not being okay with just being where you are, not meaning you're always looking to go elsewhere, but always growing uh, into a better version of yourself. Mm, I like it. Blooming is always growing. I like it. Awesome. Well, Holly, like I said, this that time actually was the last the last piece. So we are we're wrapping up here. But Holly, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're headed into the the busiest season, but I loved having you on and catching up and and chatting about everything you've been up to since uh, 2013, as as we established. Yeah, and I appreciate it. And I I have to say, just I'm going to um, give a shout out to our guest here. That's the host, and I just am so proud of seeing where you have come uh, from, you know, not only as a student athlete at Illinois and then as a GA, but to where you are now um, and everything you've accomplished. And I know you will accomplish. It makes me very proud, as I've always said, as a mother, almost watching all of you <laughs> bloom. Um, there we go. Nice. Uh, bloom into uh, who you are meant to be. And so uh, I just congratulate you on everything you've done. And I know even greater things are in store. So can't wait to watch. Well, thank you. You gave us you gave us all a good a good foundation and a good jumping off point, as I said. But again, thank you so much, uh, and and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, Taylor. Stay tuned for the recap of this episode with my sidekick, Melissa Lutz. I really wish that people could hear that. I know I say this every time, but I wish that people could hear the recording in progress lady. It, it really brings something to the table. Yeah. People might be like, oh, did you get another sidekick? <laughs> Wait, is one not enough? No, no. I knew this was going to happen. I meant <laughs> in addition to the one and only Melissa Lutz. Another. Yeah, need anyone in addition to me. <laughs> Well, she's automated, so. You can't see me, but I'm um, acting out you digging yourself into a hole. <laughs> I, I can see you. I <laughs> know. I'm talking to the, the listeners. <laughs> to our audience. Yes. Um, anyway, our first guest in our sports block, the one and only Miss Holly Stalkup. What a delight she was. Indeed. Um, I loved that she said that she loves to chat because I'm like, I could listen to her talk all day. She seems so sweet and it feels redundant, but I feel like now at this point, if I don't say it, like guests are going to be offended, but I genuinely mean it every time. I'd love to spend a day with her. 
I think we'd get along great. Have you never met Holly? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I was thinking there was one time, I think maybe though it was Aaron. Um, as my time at Illinois was wrapping up, we, as kind of like a, it was like a happy graduation, Taylor, happy end of the year team. And then Julia, who was going to be taking my place, was finishing her undergrad. And so like, congrats on the new job, Julia, all these things at once. So we rented a limo as a staff. What? And yeah, we kind of did like a little, a champagne crawl. Um, and about halfway oh, through. This game champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The city of yeah. I was just imagining you guys very regal, like in the back of a limo, just sipping on champagne, maybe with a monocle. Yes, I was gonna say we all wore monocles. Yeah, I no, yes, monocle. Yeah, uh, the city of champagne. And halfway through, we picked up Aaron Johnson and we picked up somebody else, Austin Wright, maybe. Which I don't know, but it wasn't me because I'm I'm certain. While I do have a poor memory, this is something I would remember. I think a lovely lady like Holly, I feel like would be unforgettable. She's just one of those people that when you're around, like, like her energy is palpable. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like I said that about a few of our guests, but she, and I I can say for her in person, she's not just someone that I've met, you know, over (laughs) zoom, uh, which her energy was palpable there as well. But she's just, she's got a lot of positivity beaming with positivity beaming light uh yeah she really is just like bubbly and seems like a happy just all-around good person to be around Mm -hmm. bubbly is a good word that's yeah that's probably the best uh describing word that you could use for holly um it's always interesting to me because like i most of these guests i don't know prior to the interview right and all i have I have only a mental image I've created in my head based on their voice. And like, it's so interesting once you post um, the Instagram posts with their pictures and I'm like, that makes sense. That is not what I'm picturing, but that fits the bill. So I'm really um, excited for that post. Cause like I have a mental image of this just cute, lovely human in my head. And I am sure that it will deliver. Do you want me to start sending you the videos? I do only send you the audio. You do only send me the audio. Um, sure. All Although right. it is a fun surprise to open my Instagram and be like, oh. <laughs> there might be a bandwidth issue, issue uh, sending the videos, but we'll see if we can make it happen. Okay. Um, the very first note that I have says that and i was cracking up as i was listening back to it says that i only gave her 30 seconds i asked for the 30 second synopsis of holly stalka and hard i know and as soon as more than 30 seconds taylor i know and as soon as she started talking i was like oh no i haven't given her enough time (laughs) because she was like okay 30 seconds wow um holly stalk up and i started off here and then i did this and i did this and then as we got to talking obviously i was like you know that wasn't enough time i I didn't give you enough time to cover all the the things that you've done so she left a couple things out but i gotta do an interview huh you can't reveal all the good stuff in the first 30 seconds of the podcast you gotta leave some, some little crumbs you know, they say that is good, a good rule of thumb for life, for relationships in general, that you should leave a sense of mystery, right? You don't want to show all your cards 
and 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 have them all out at the beginning. I'm having an epiphany. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> because usually my tactic is like, blah, here I am, you know? <laughs> that is <laughs> nothing to hide here. I'm trying to think of the first time that you and I met and what my impression was of you, but I can't Ooh. I can't put a finger on it. Um, it was I think it was you came to mine and Aaron's dorm room. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that's accurate. I remember explicitly the first time that I met Zane, who's another of our college friends, because you and Aaron and maybe Susie and I had planned to drive to Walmart. I was the only one of us that had a car on campus. And so we were going to get groceries or something. And uh, the the three of you got into my car and then all of a sudden here comes Zane and just jumps in. And I was like, ah, who's this guy? <laughs> He's like, what's up? I'm Zane. I'm coming too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I think the first time that I met Zane, he just um, welcomed himself into our dorm room and opened up a jar of salsa and started eating snacks or something. Zane's like kind of the snack drawer because you guys got to bring home all the snacks from um, mm-hmm. like your Team athletic stuff. room that provided snacks and Erin just had a drawer under her bed of snacks that I got to benefit from and I was showing him and he was like sup that's pretty sweet and he like grabbed a bag of chips he's like you got any salsa <laughs> I was like oh, I think I do <laughs> he's he's like the Schmidt of our group like from New Girl, yeah. you know, where he just showed up in Nick's dorm room and started eating like peanut butter, I think, out of the jar or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He really is the Schmidt of our friend group. What a gem. <laughs> anyway, um, the second note that I had says that it, I'm going to read it to you verbatim. And maybe as I'm reading this sentence, I'll remember exactly what I meant by it. Events dash. This is the first time since I left event management that I haven't been manning managing events accurate in my new role. This is the first time that I truly have not had an events aspect of my job since I left event management, the field. You thought you left. I know. I thought I left in, I thought I left in 2014 and then surprise every job I had since then had some sort of events, logistics, managing, planning aspect to it. But this is the first time that I haven't had it. And I got to say, while I don't miss nights and weekends and crazy hours, I do kind of miss planning events. It's, I mean, I've wanted to say kudos to Holly because I do some event planning as well. And it's, the most stressful part of my job. Like I could do all other things and feel like I have control over the situation, but in events, there's so many different moving pieces and people that have to show up and things that have to go off on time for everything to go perfectly smoothly. And it's like, there's only so much you can control. So I give a lot of props to people who work in that field. Cause for me, it's like, that is stressful. I like to know that like, I'm the puppeteer and I can make things move and happen as they need to. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard work. It is hard work. I, huh? Oh, I whispered stressful. (laughs) (laughs) 
I uh, acquired the hiccups while you were talking, and I was hoping that they'd that, that they would be gone. I think they are now. But, but if you notice me, just very brief stint of hiccups. Yeah, I don't know if I drank this coffee too fast or what happened. But anyway, um, events are they are stressful. That's for sure. And I think always while like in the moment while you're planning and preparing and whatever. It's like, ugh, I hate this. This sucks, whatever. At least for me. And then as soon as it's over, you're like, wow, look at what I just did. Look at the magnitude of the event that I just pulled off. And especially... This pulled off. Yeah, especially in the last four years, some of the events that I oversaw at USF were big, like 500, 600 person events, which is not something I feel like that happens you know, it, it, at a lot for, for a lot of people who are not specifically event planners, you know, sure. so anyway. yeah, there's definitely like, it's very rewarding to be like in the moment when it's happening, it's like, it's stressful. You're paying attention to every detail, making sure everyone's in their place and everything's happening. But at the same time, it's like this adrenaline rush. It's so fun. And then afterwards you just get to breathe a sigh of relief and you're like, we did it all that work. And look how, look what we produced. Look Mm -hmm. how I loved that. She said, like, what we want is for people not even to think about all the things that go on behind the scenes. Like it should go so smoothly that like people are just in the moment and enjoying. And I think back to like, there are few, if any events that I've been to that I was like, "Mm, why is this there? Why is this happening this way? You know? So Mm -hmm. it really goes to show that like people are good at their jobs. Uh, Yeah. I think, I mean, even coming from, cause I came directly from being a student athlete to then being an event management. And so I knew Kathy Hug was our event manager who, who did volleyball at the time. And I got to work with her, but I knew or had a sense of, you know what I mean? How many people like would come and work and whatever, but I didn't think twice about the orchestration of that, where you have to literally hire in the off season, these part-time workers to come in and take tickets at the door and, you know, be the people directing people to their seats and all these other things. You have to have people who are kind of just watching the crowd as the match is happening. You have to have the now in, in um, today's volleyball age, you have to have a replay coordinator. You have to have a timeout coordinator, which I got to do a couple of times which is literally just when a timeout is called, if the match is on television, I had to stand up and tell the referees that they were not allowed to play again until the producer in the truck told me, okay, we're off commercial, go back to the match. And then I would sit down and they could resume play of the game. Interesting. Yeah. Which is well details you don't think about. I know. Yeah. It's, it's crazy stuff like that. And just the, the amount of people that you, maybe don't directly oversee, but you essentially have oversight of it's just bananas to imagine and going from, I mean, you think of a volleyball match and all the people that it would take to put that on and then think of a football game and then think of all the football game. Right. Like, so yeah, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. Like it is funny that an annual event is a full time job just goes to show how much is actually happening behind the scenes. And something else you said that I wanted to point out was like um, the volunteers and the part-time workers that are hired to run those events, like in any other industry, 
um, it's hard to find people with that enthusiasm that want to give their time and volunteer and, you know, give up a Saturday or whatever it is to be a part of something. Right. So like, I'm thinking of like my own experience in my own life. And, um, would I, if, you know, I was giving up a Saturday be that, what would I be enthusiastic about going to help with? And it shows that like, there's a lot of programs and things that have really built something special to the point where people want to give up their free time to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to um, Chris, right? Like Mm -hmm. community and building something that people want to be a part of. And I think that is super special and cool um, that you can create an experience that people are so excited about. And like, I think of when I go to games and people I've like met at, ticket booths and stuff like picking up from will call, whatever. And I think back and I'm like, wow, a lot of those people were just like really happy to be there. You know, it's like, enjoy the game. Hope you have fun. Here are your tickets, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's really cool. Yeah. I think so too. It's just a, I don't know, to be able to curate an experience for someone else is just a cool thing. Yeah. Also, I understand why people, it's like a, and not an addiction, but like once you, if you, if that's what you like and that's where you thrive, like I can imagine that events is something that's super fun to work in. Yeah. I did not know that um, she initially had planned on, like when she went into athletic training, that it was to be an athletic trainer for a ballet company. Super cool. I know. I thought you would like that. I do. I have secret dreams to be a prima ballerina. (laughs) I think my days are long gone since I haven't started dancing and I'm in my 30s. So I think you can do it. I think anything is possible. It's never too late. The other day I was going to find an adult ballet class. So maybe it'll be that like, Oh, look at, look at this grandma on stage, making her (laughs) dreams come true. You know? Yeah. In like 30 or 40 years, you can go viral. Yeah. That's That's, my goal. If that's still a thing. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows where technology will be in 30 or 40 years? Not me. Maybe you could be a viral hologram. Ooh, dancing straight into your home. (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Melissa. (laughs) That's a pretty good Melissa as a grandma impression. Yeah, that's how I imagine your voice as grandma. It's it's pretty accurate because it's close to how it sounds now. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that voice, but I don't think it sounds like you. I always sound, but often I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) yeah, that's accurate. Um, another note that I had, which we kind of touched on it, was that event management can ruin you as a fan or as an attendee of another event. That instead of just, you know, enjoying the event and kind of taking in what's happening around you. I've, I've had this happen a couple of times where I've gone to conferences or, you know, different things like that. And I'm like, hmm, either one of two things happens where I'm like, hmm, this should have happened this way or they should have thought about X, Y, Z beforehand. Or I get there and I'm like, Wow the setup on the tables is so nice. <laughs> the, the transitions between speakers, man, this is like, you know, top notch. Yeah, I feel the same about, um, since working in like the restaurant 
industry Mm -hmm. and management and stuff. Like I never judge when I go out to eat, but I notice a lot more. I'm very aware of like, okay, that server looks stressed. They need to not seat a table in their section for a while because it's very like they're, they're holding their own, but they look stressed and like, Oh, there's a, a table that, is dirty that someone doesn't see. And I just want to get up and help them and clean it. You know, it's like, you just are much more aware when you're in the setting that you work in, Mm -hmm. of like how things should be going and um, noticing little holes or noticing when things are going super well. So eating out now is always um, an interesting experience for me. Cause um, a lot of times I'm just like, wow, that went out off without a hitch. Um, and then there's other times where I'm like, I just want to, I want to jump in and help, but like, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not cool. I had something I just was going to say on that note. Oh, isn't it, isn't it interesting? I wish I could think of another word besides interesting because someone once told me that it's, it doesn't mean anything really. Peculiar? Yeah. When you just think about all the words that you might say, well, that's interesting. It could mean so many different things. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's really interesting <laughs> to notice what you observe in the world if you shift your focus slightly, right? Mm-hmm. So you being somebody who works in the service industry, you go to dinner and while whoever you're with might just be enjoying the dinner and the ambiance in your company, you are noticing all these little things that are happening around you, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. We all have unique um, perspectives based on our experience. Big facts. Big facts. Big facts. (laughs) So, yeah, it's interesting to think about, like, in any one scenario, people, any person can take away completely different things from it, which is interesting in my world that, like, people leave restaurant reviews, right? Mm -hmm. And their experiences what they take away is based on what they've experienced in their life and expectations they've set based on that. So you, that's why you get varying like reviews across the board. And I, it frustrates me when I see like, you know, people that leave really poor reviews for businesses that work their butts off and like mm-hmm. things go wrong. Right. All the time in every industry, everywhere. Like that's life. Yeah. Um, but in certain industries, there's people that are looking at what you're doing through a microscope and noticing every detail and then leaving a public public yeah. feedback on it. So not every industry has that. And it's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. Yelp and things like it are, I think, both a good and a bad thing, right? Because from the consumer standpoint, you can say, oh, this place has four and a half stars or these people had these experiences or this kind of food was posted or whatever. But from a restaurant standpoint, I feel like you have to be sensitive to those who did not have a good experience and obviously grateful for those who did and who post about it. But it's also the space of, because, you know, every once in a while you'll get on and see the restaurant owner or whoever has commented back and been like, you know, essentially, well, sorry, you didn't have a good time, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the case for everybody. Everybody else likes our restaurant, which is such a dangerous, it's just a dangerous line to toe, I feel like. Yeah. Making people feel heard when they're upset, but also like as consumers, we have to keep in mind that 
the people that are going to review the fastest are the ones that are angry. So there's going to be an elevated um, amount of negative reviews for any restaurant because it's really hard to give people the experience that is so good that they Mm -hmm. want to go give it a five-star review. They might tell their friends, not everyone is compelled to do it publicly, publicly, but when people are angry, upset, disappointed with their experience, and sometimes that's affected by like their attitude and they come in and what their day was like, you know, and they're, they're a lot quicker to respond and give negative feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, What I always like, and then we can get off of the restaurant subject, but what I, I have not done this actually. I don't know why I said what I've always liked. I like when people do this, when they will send us an email Hmm. to let us know about their experience so that we have the opportunity to grow from it and do better but they're telling us because they want to see us succeed, not because they want to cut us down publicly. Right. So that's always much more meaningful to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think not even just in the restaurant business, but in any facet of life, when you, what, what is it that there's a saying that's like, um, as a leader, you should always praise publicly and criticize privately. I think is what it is so that you're not, you know, publicly shaming an employee or again, like you just said, restaurant thing like that. Yeah. It's super discouraging. I think that's management one-on-one and helping. That's how you help your people to bloom. That's right. Well, but like you're, you're pulling them aside and telling them like, Hey, I understand that this happened or you did it this way. Next time this is like maybe the way that I would approach it. Um, just something to keep in mind, you know, like I, I want to see you succeed in this um, facet. So let's work on these things and get better at them. Like that's right. much more encouraging than calling someone out. Right. I think it's that to me is like a Brene Brown one-on-one because she spoke a lot about this, obviously in the last year, but she said that shame is not an effective social justice tool. And uh-huh. I think that shame is not really an effective tool for anything anything i'm trying to think of an instance where it it might work and i don't think there is one not yeah. not in a way but, that makes you feel well no because that's just shame <laughs> i was gonna say not in a way that makes you want to change your behavior to like feel good about yourself but if you don't feel good about yourself that literally is shame yeah. And I feel like most commonly it's done to like make an example of someone, right? Exactly. Like you don't want to be like that person. Yeah. Yep. That's not helping that person. There are other effective ways to right. communicate to people. how it's not, it's not really helping anyone because by doing that, you're essentially forming a committee against that specific person or behavior or whatever it is that you've mm-hmm. called out. You're setting them up for failure. Exactly. Um, I have two more notes. One of which is that I have discovered a new Starbucks coffee drink and I have now had it two days in a row and I am very excited about it. Do tell. It is. Now, you know, I've been on this decaf coffee kick for almost two years, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to steer clear on most days of caffeine. Now, that's not to say that I cut it out completely because I still do enjoy the occasional regular cup of coffee or a soda or whatever. Anyway, this here, this here is a 
grande decaf americano with a splash of non-fat milk and some sugar-free vanilla syrup. And when I tell you that it tastes like Christmas in a cup and also chocolate milk, please believe me. Chocolate milk. I don't understand how those components make chocolate <laughs> milk, but I'm happy you found a drink that you enjoy, Taylor. Thank I you. will tell you, you should go back to regular vanilla. It's better for you. Then the sugar-free? Yeah, it's fake sugar. Really? Chemicals. Interesting. Aspartame and stuff like that. Now that turns into, I was just discussing this with my mom yesterday. Aspartame, upon entrance of the body, turns into formaldehyde, which is what we inject into deceased corpses. Is there such thing as an alive corpse? I don't think so. I think that goes against the description of a corpse. So I doubled it up there. I could have just said corpses. Really drove the point home, Tay. I did. There was some anything sugar free. I think is um, unless you're like diabetic or you know really can't process sugar Mm -hmm. um, is usually a chemical form of the normal thing, and in um, the right doses and balance, like it's okay. I think live your life a little. Don't deprive yourself, but don't be guzzling vanilla syrup straight. (laughs) I'm going to look it up and see what it's actually, if it's like stevia or something, you know? Um, Um, I might have a, I have a drink for you to try. You like tea, right? uh, I like green tea. Oh, okay. Well, uh, try this anyways. Um, I really like getting an Earl Grey tea from Starbucks with, um, two pumps of vanilla and steamed. I usually do non-dairy milk. So I'll do like coconut milk or oat milk. Mm. Coconut's my favorite, but um, it's delightful because Earl Grey is like a little fruity, but not a lot. And then it makes it like vanilla creamy. I don't know. Wonderful. Highly recommend. Fascinating. I was just thinking about tea and milk yesterday or the day before I've been watching um, Downton Abbey from the beginning again and of course you know they're tea they're tea drinkers um can are you, you hearing that of them yeah uh, can you hear that i'm so sorry i was just gonna say are you getting some emails i'm so sorry i don't know how to <laughs> not let that happen i think you have to sign out but that's okay it's neither here nor there i have like eight emails like addresses for all the different jobs uh sorry i, I apologize <laughs> um the last thing that I want to say, which is my final note on the one and only Holly Stalkup, is that she said she's attended over 60 Broadway shows. And I, you know me, I love a good live event, in particular live music. Uh, but the old I song and dance, you know? The old song and dance. But I do, I grew up in a family of musical lovers. And so the fact that I've only seen one broad, I've seen plenty of musicals, used to be in them, as you know. But the fact that I've only seen one Broadway show is kind of concerning to me. Well, good thing you've got ample time in your life to turn up the dial on that. To correct it. I, the one I saw was at the Orpheum theater in memphis tennessee and i saw beautiful the musical the carol king musical Ah. it it was amazing Hmm. and 
And I, <laughs> I'm holding up a finger because this is exciting news. I just scored a ticket to guess what musical. I want you to guess, actually. I don't know what's going on in the musical world right now. Well, just think of like one of the biggest musicals in the recent past. Wicked? No, but that that's... Are they... St- is Wicked still going on because they were in a parade? I think yes. And I thought to myself, this has to be the longest running musical of all time. I would like to see it. I did hear good things about it, but that was like, you know, Oh, Taylor. I know that was like the Adina Menzel days, you know, I mean, Adele Dazim. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if you're John Travolta. Right. Right. That's who said that. That's who said that. Okay. I'll give you one more guess and then we should probably wrap up. Um, Oh, what's that one? Uh, The Mormon one. Nope. Oh, okay. Well, that's my last guess. Tell me. Hamilton. Oh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to see, I was home for Thanksgiving, uh, over Thanksgiving break. And my aunt, Aunt Julie was telling me, oh, your mom and I and our friend Tina, we're going to go see Hamilton in St. Louis in in April. And I was like, hello. (laughs) And so she's like, oh, let me text Tina and see if she can get another ticket. And then within a matter of moments, Tina had gotten another ticket. Tina coming through. Tina is coming through. Tina is graduating. I can't remember. If, you know what? By the time this episode comes out, Tina will be graduating from her doctoral degree the following Friday, Saturday, that weekend. So congratulations, Tina. And thank hey. you for thank you for getting me a ticket to Hamilton. You know, I had something similar happen when I was a kid. Um wicked actually and they had all those commercials on and a commercial came on and i was like ah man i really want to see wicked and my mom was like ah me and linda and linda are going to see that two of her best friends were linda i don't remember if those were who she's going with but she's like oh we're going to see that next weekend and i was like what excuse me where was my invite she's like well i didn't know you wanted to go and i was like i've been talking about it for months so then she surprised me with two tickets one for me and my dad took me and it was really actually a wonderful day we went to like spent the day in chicago went and got lunch went to the show he's a good he's a good sport because you know like he doesn't appreciate musicals the same way that i do but you know really enjoyed having like other time and that memory together I feel like that happens to you semi-often with your family. Didn't you, hadn't you been talking about wanting to go to Mexico as a family for a while? And then they were like, we're going to Mexico. (laughs) Well, yes, that did happen. (laughs) I, oopsies. Um, Sorry, I just read a text of something I forgot. Anyways, uh, (laughs) I mentioned to them that for my 30th birthday, it'd be nice if we all took a family trip. And I thought Puerto Vallarta sounded nice. And then the pandemic hit and my 30th birthday came and went and no one was traveling. And then I think it was maybe a few weeks after my, or days after my birthday, I talked to my sister on the phone and she was like, yeah, I just spontaneously booked a trip to Puerto Vallarta. And I was like, what the heck? Don't remember. I wanted to go there. She's like, oh, I'll go back with you. And then a couple of weeks later, call my dad on the phone and he's like, good news. We're going to Puerto Vallarta. And he was, I was like, we are. And he's like, not you, me and mom. And I was like, does no one remember? 
that I wanted to do this as a family for my birthday. My dad was like, oh, your birthday was like a month ago. What are you talking about? And I was like, thanks, dad. It's fine. Everything's fine. So yeah, that did happen. Well, maybe for 31, which is perhaps, but let's not hold out hope. Hey, Tay, you want to go to Puerto Vallarta with me? I could be convinced. I didn't like that answer. The enthusiasm was lackluster. (laughs) Was it? I feel like I was marinating and considering all at once. I was hoping you would jump at the chance to sit on a beach in Mexico with me. But you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. It wasn't a no, and I'll take that. Oh. Bear dropped. Could you hear that? Yeah. Oh, Bear dropped something. He's been doing that today, and I think it's like a, I'm back here. Remember me? (laughs) I'm going to drop this bone on the ground. Fair enough. Anyway, shall we, uh, shall we wrap it up and get off our, our soapbox? I don't even know how we got to Mexico. Uh, Broadway musicals. Yes. Because I didn't get invited with my mom. There it was. So on and so forth. Here we are not on a beach in Mexico. Henceforth, thusly, we are here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a pleasure discussing uh, Holly Stalkup with you um, and all the cool things that she's doing. Can't wait to watch what she continues to do with her career. She's a special mm-hmm. lady. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I would like to say that that's the way the onion peels. <laughs> <laughs> that's the quickest You've ever done it. <laughs> I didn't panic this time. No, you didn't. You you nailed it. I guess I just have to tee you up. Uh, that is the way the onion peels. Uh, we're so happy to, to have had you join us today. This is, as we mentioned, the first guest of our final three-part block of season three. So we've got two more uh, episodes that are coming at you these next couple of weeks. Um, and then we'll take our hopefully not so long hiatus and and see where the wind blows us next all right we'll see you next week 